I want you to think of a time in your life when you had a ton of things going on, and they were all good things, but they just left you feeling completely scattered. Now, for some, that might be uh, you got a new job, or you got a promotion at work, and so at first, this newness of this job or this newness of this promotion, it tapped this renewed energy in you, and you, had to, you, you got to work hard, and, and this challenge was a good challenge, but all of a sudden, this challenge became a burden. Uh, it was the burden of learning new systems, and not just new systems, but a burden of, of having a new boss or, or being the boss, uh, and then the burden of even just creating new friendships, and all of a sudden, this burden became a a drudgery, if you will, and it it left you with very little for other people in your life. Maybe it was a time when you began a new relationship. Uh, If you remember this, or if you're in this, you know, you're, you're involved with work, you're involved with friends, you're involved with activities, and you're trying to integrate this new person that you really care about, or you think you really care about, into your life, but it becomes rather difficult to integrate. Even though you really enjoy this person, it's just harder to manage. Not that you ever want to say, this person is one more thing to manage. Maybe it's uh, jumping into high school, or jumping into college, or even jumping into grad school. And with every class, there's a new relationship. It's a new teacher. You have to understand this new system that they live in, and that they work in, and their expectations, and performing to those expectations, and managing that homework, and managing everything in that, and continuing with the rest of your life. Or you're a single parent, and you're trying to be mom and dad, and you're trying to live in this rhythm of giving your children what they need, what they want, maybe even a home-cooked meal, maybe even time together to just have moments together, and it's exhausting. Or, or you could even be serving in a church, and you're competent. And do you know what happens when you're competent at serving in church? People say thank you. Or you get more to do. And so you're, you're getting more and more, and all of a sudden your to-do list looks like a greedy kid's Christmas list, and, and you just want to stop because you're not even sure where to begin. But for some of you, this really wasn't hard to imagine because this is your life right now. You live in this. Well, the Bible speaks to this, and today we're going to look at a little story that illuminates this essential, this Three essentials that we've been talking about in the last three weeks, but this essential for our life that is busy and scattered and everywhere, and Jesus says, I want you to have a better rhythm. Not a better life. You already have a better life, but a a better rhythm. So that's what we're looking at today. There's good news for that. Now, if you weren't here the last couple weeks... Just a bit of review. First, we talked about trust. We talked about this idea that sometimes our life feels like a leaky boat and, and we have to bail water. And so as we're trying to do our thing, we've got to remember to bail the water. And, and sometimes that becomes our life is just a spinning cycle of bailing ourselves out of whatever we put ourselves into. But to trust is to jump out of that boat and let Jesus find the hole in our boat. Patch the hole and get us to this different place, this fuller life, this life with rhythm with God. And so this idea of trust was to say, I will, God, not as a professional, 
not as knowing everything. Sometimes it's just saying, I will go with you. I will believe you. I will serve you. And I will be your representative. And Jesus said in the first part of Luke 10 that those who go discover new things. They don't have to be professionals. And that's when we find out is when we take that step. Second week, we talked about grace. We looked at the next story in Luke 10, this parable of the Good Samaritan, and how it's often not the religious people that show up in the situation, but when we are either too busy or too religious or too focused on ourselves, we not only create bad church experiences, we kill grace. And so for us to realize what grace is, Grace is no matter how good I am, I can't make God love me more. No matter how bad I am, I can't make God love me less. That's grace. Grace is this realization that God gives us what we don't deserve, and we can't kill that no matter how hard we try. God will always show up in the midst of it. Grace is, is a family, uh, the Osloses, who had a random stranger find out about her daughter needing a kidney and saying, I have two. I only need one, according to the doctors. I'll do that. Grace is the good news that when we turn our lives from our sin, when we turn our lives from being focused on our efforts and our wisdom, Jesus accepts us. Not only accepts us, but then invites us to be the bringers of that same mission, to be compassionate neighbors. Trust grace, but this week that essential is all about focus. Focus is our answer to this burdened, busy, scattered life that's filled with all kinds of good. Because when you get to a certain place in life, you'll realize it's not a choice between good and bad, it's a choice between good and best. And so we're going to look at this story that you might have heard before. And again, it's a call to focus because often when we hear something that's familiar, we go, oh yeah, I know that one. But then we ignore it. All the more reason for us to look deeply and hard at this story about focus. So if you have your Bible, it's Luke 10. It's the last little story in this section. It's likely that um, as you're turning to Luke 10, Uh, or pulling it up on your phone. It's likely that this story didn't even actually happen in this sequence. Uh, It starts with Jesus saying, uh, with the writer Luke saying, Jesus and the disciples were going on their way. Well, they actually would have come back up through this town called Bethany in a different part of the journey, but the reason that he puts it in here is because he's, he's linking the things that have happened before this and the things that happen after this to this story. Something that happens here is critical to the concepts that Luke is trying to get across. So it's not really about where it took place or when, but what actually happens. So let's look intently at what God said and then ask what God might be saying to us. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened their home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. God, will you focus our minds, our ears, our eyes, God, and more importantly, our souls, onto not only what this said, but also what it says to our lives. Because we don't want to live scattered and distracted lives. We want to have a better rhythm with you. We want to have life with you and experience that every moment of every day. Amen. Well, it's important in this story to not miss the culturally endorsed expectations of the day. Say that three times fast. Culturally endorsed expectations were things that everybody kind of knew and everybody assumed and everybody did, and that's just the way it was, and, and you went along with these things. And so one of the culturally endorsed expectations of the day was this idea of hospitality, Hospitality was king. It was huge in that time. And there was even a saying that had been around for at least 100 years before Jesus came on the scene. And uh, we'll put it up here. It says, um, this is from a rabbi. It says, let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. Okay, this is attributed to a a rabbi that uh, was around in about 150 B.C., maybe 200 B.C., but it's recorded in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a collection of Jewish writings from 200 B.C. to 200 A.D., and the important little note in that is basically that the Mishnah was the social media center. It was the hub of culture and religion and all the expectations that went with it. So they had the Torah, and they had the Mishnah, and they read these things all the time. They discussed these things all the time. They lived in these things all the time. If they would have had Facebook and Twitter, they would have been Facebooking and tweeting these things from the Mishnah. What do you think it says? How do you think it reads? How do you live this out? And so this idea was that people were expected to open their homes to these teachers, these traveling rabbis and let them sit in their home, provide them shelter, provide them food, and then they would teach. If you've ever been in a third world country, though, which we'll just assume Jerusalem was, there wasn't things like convection ovens and electricity. So this idea of providing food and shelter is a little bit easier said than done. This would mean hours and hours of preparation, and it would often be done by the women So these women would work in groups, they would spend hours together, and this was simply the culturally endorsed expectation of the day, that when there was a traveling rabbi, someone would open their home, and then they would prepare the food, and they would spend hours and hours preparing this food, because it was hard work. But Martha was literally just conforming to the culture of the day. And, it's important to note, had Martha not been who she was, then Jesus might not have even have stayed there. So good for her for planning ahead. But think about what that would mean. Uh, I think the Son of God is coming. 
Rumor has it that uh, he's in town and that I'd like to see him. And, you know, he's got 12 disciples, so that's 13 plus my sister plus my brother. Okay, everybody's got to have their feet washed. They've got to be made comfortable. There needs to be a meal. And she has this point where she goes from welcome to my home to, oh my goodness, and she gets a little distracted. And I, I think it might be something like this. Um, I, I better get mom's china out because it's Jesus. And if he's the son of God, we better get the good china out. And we're using the cloth napkins, okay? So be careful. Have some manners. And Mary, could you check the toilet paper? Because God forbid Jesus have to call out and say, got any extra in there? And so it could be bad. She's focused on good stuff. Just not the best stuff. It's not bad. It's not evil. And it's not sin. If you're in a place where you're stressed out by these good and best and you're not sure, take a moment to celebrate that you get to choose between good and best. That you're not back in a place, and if you are, I'm not judging you, but if you're in a place where you're, you've moved beyond choosing the evil thing and choosing the good thing, then celebrate that. It's like, gee, I, I didn't, um, I, I'm not choosing to go to inappropriate websites or I'm not choosing to overspend my money or I'm not choosing to send it this way. Good. I'm having to make these really hard decisions, though, between good and best, and sometimes I don't even make those. That's a good thing. But it's also these culturally endorsed expectations. This really isn't about hospitality at the moment. It's about the idea that everyone assumed that that's what you were supposed to do. Think about in your lives what everybody assumes you're supposed to do. As Americans or suburban Americans or middle class, lower class, upper class Americans, what are the culturally endorsed expectations? How about fitness? I know one mom who works out at least two hours a day, is very health conscious, totally transformed the eating habits of her family, reads fitness blogs, spends time with health conscious friends, and that's not bad. It's just that as a mom of young kids, they're not getting their mom very often. This mom, this wife, this husband is not getting his wife very much because she really, really, really is into fitness. Or work. We're expected to do well at work and perform well at work and give a little extra at work. And I'm not trying to single out men, but it seems like men have a harder time leaving their work at work. And so even when they work hard, they might even leave the house at sunrise and get out the door before anybody else wakes up and then come home at dinner time. And yes, I put in 10 hours or 11 hours or 12 hours, but but they come to the dinner table bringing every meeting and every unfinished task in their mind to the table and they're not present for that meal. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you don't even have to have a family for this to be a problem. In fact, I would say that if you're single, this might even be harder for you because there's this culturally endorsed expectation that, oh, if you're single, that just means that you have more to give. And it's easier for you to sh- shift your schedule around, so you should do that. Yeah. And that can make your health and your friendships and your spiritual life suffer. And it's just kind of this culturally endorsed expectation. Or... Uh, 
not to beat on something that I think everybody hits, but extracurricular activities. I don't even think we should call them extra. How about we call them expected curricular activities? We got an email that, uh, traveling baseball, sign up now. You have two more weeks to sign up for next year. I don't know. He's seven. He liked it last year, but in three weeks it could change. And there's this expectation that we're supposed to get our our children or we're supposed to be involved. That's what makes well-rounded people, right? And maybe we should think about art or or drama or or music or, or athletics, you know, any of those things. But they should be good at at least one of them. Culture expects us to be good at at least one of those things. So... Maybe we need to do professional voice lessons or professional music lessons or maybe we should get them involved with a really good drama company or the traveling team because that's what we need to make our people well-rounded. But we might be spending time on good, not best. We might be spending money we don't have on things we don't need to live in this full life. And I think the one that's unbelievably ironic, but completely culturally endorsed, is time management. Any of you in management or, or running companies or in business where, where you are a middle manager and executive and time management is like on, it's on your list of job review. How well do you perform to these expectations? And how well do you manage your employees? And how well is their productivity managed? And I have read so many magazines or experts, or I have about 17 different apps of making my time management better. This is really important, though. Martha genuinely wants to follow Jesus. She does. She genuinely wants to be in this place where she is understanding what life with Jesus is and do all these things well. And, and it doesn't just distract her, it, it pulls her apart. And you see it when she compares and complains about her sister. It says that she's distracted by these things, and she says, Lord, or Master, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me, because if you're Master, you actually could have say in this situation. You could change this situation. If you find yourself calling out to God to change your situation, then you know something's wrong, and that's okay. But maybe God is saying something back to you, like he said back to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted, or worried and upset about many things. So when I hear this, I don't hear Martha, Martha. I hear Robert Thomas. You ever get your full name? and your middle name, you either know someone's making fun of you or you're in trouble. And I think Jesus is doing a little of both because he uses these words, worried and upset. And basically the the translation is kind of like, Martha, you want to get all this food just right, but you're the one who's actually being sliced up into little pieces. You're being pulled apart. You're allowing this situation to rip your life apart. That's what these words mean of worried and upset. Worried being this anxious inner turmoil. Like when your gut aches that you're living every day in. And this outward trouble, this external agitation about something you can't change or something that you're bothered by but is outside of your control. You're being ripped up inside inside 
Jesus is saying to Martha, and you're being ripped up outside. It's not about time management. It's about priority management. I think that's what Jesus is getting at right now. Martha, it's about priority management. Look at your life. Martha, are you trying to serve two masters in this situation? Like, do you want hospitality to be king or queen? Or do you want me to be king? And sometimes it's not an either or, but when we start to elevate something above God, it becomes a master. It starts to control us. We start to go, oh my gosh, Mary didn't do this, or so-and-so didn't do that. When we compare or complain, it's a trigger that maybe this thing is going up too high on the list. And yet, Mary has chosen something that Jesus says is better. And it wasn't an easy choice. It wasn't like, oh, I'll just sit down and listen to Jesus. It must be really good. This, this phrase, sitting at the feet of Jesus, is a, a Jewish idiom that means that Mary wants to be Jesus' disciple. Not just wants to, is. And when you're a disciple, it's saying that she, she wants all that the teacher has to offer. She wants to think like the teacher thinks. She wants to act like the teacher acts. She wants to know what the teacher knows. You might say she wants to be just like the teacher. Where if that teacher retired, she could stand up and say, okay, this is what Rabbi Jesus would have said. And she knows it. She knows it backwards, forwards, insides and outs. And this was not a culturally endorsed expectation of the day. This was not an easy choice for her. The women, were, the women could listen, absolutely. They just had to do their work first. Kind of like the supermom myth of the 70s. Yeah, sure, yeah, women's liberation. You can totally work and get a job and do this. We want that and, you know, keep your kids at home and just make sure you do this, this, this. Just make sure you do all the housework. Just make sure you do all the meal planning. Just make sure you take care of the kids and do all that. Mary says, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to be Jesus' disciple right now. I'm going to focus on what the master's saying. I don't know how much time I'm going to have. I want to put this first. This is my first thing, and I want to put it first. And so she does. She wants to be, like the Mishnah says, covered in the dust of her rabbi. She wants to sit at his feet. She wants to drink up his teachings. She doesn't want to follow the culturally approved expectations. She wants to follow Christ. But we can't just say, in our remaining few minutes, we can't just say, oh yeah, we should focus on Jesus. It's the right idea, but it's too abstract. And you and I both know that when we leave, we probably won't spend too much time thinking about it. Because other things are going to hit us. And we'll say, oh, I've got to focus on Jesus. I've got to focus on Jesus. I have no idea what that means. So let's take a minute and talk about what that might mean. What does it mean for us to focus on Jesus? I think we have to be honest and say, if we're all unique people, then it will look unique to all of us. So I can't say exactly what it might look like for you. 
I, I do think it would include a few things. It's not less than this list. I think it would include acknowledging God daily. We often call that prayer. Wherever it is, whenever it is, it's talking to God, it's thanking God, it's acknowledging God, it's living in the presence and understanding that there is a God who is with us now in his spirit and who came to us in the person of Jesus and we have access to him every moment of every day. He wants us to be in communication with him. So wherever you do that from, being able to do that. I need to do that in the morning. I notice when I don't. But I'm tired. I naturally would not want to do that. So don't guilt yourself for it if you don't do it then. I think God ordered the world in this way for us to withdraw weekly, to take time out from our lives, practice Sabbath. God rested. God didn't have to rest. God chose to rest. And I think he ordered us to live in relationship and rhythm to that, to stop and rest. Acknowledge that he's God, that we can exist only truly acknowledging that, that he's the sustainer of life, and to reflect on where we've been and to ask him where we're going. I think one of the things that it also includes, that it's got to include, is this time to focus on the word of God and where God's spirit is together. That's not just because I want to see you at church. It's because the world pulls us in so many different directions that if we don't take time to pray every day, if we don't take time to, to pause, we can't reflect. If we don't take time to focus on God's word together, we miss it. We just don't put it in. The world goes against that. And so we take time to gather each week to focus on God. And the next series that we're going to do for the, those five weeks coming after this is on life and work and and I have been working so hard on this. I've been asking other people about this. Can I just encourage and challenge you to come every week for those five weeks? I can't give you, I can't give you a guarantee. I can't give you any of your life back because I'm not God. But it's not about me. I think that God's word says so much about what we are and how we are to live in relationship, not only to the world, but to this work that God has given to us. Not this work of church, but your work. That you do. And so it's so important for us to gather. But these are just rows. And rows, it's pretty easy to be missed. We've got to have a circle. It's essential for us to have a circle. To have time in authentic relationships where people can know us. Where we can be challenged. Where we can be vulnerable. Where we can say, I don't understand this, or I don't understand what's going on in my life, or I'm not actually sure where I'm supposed to go. And these culturally endorsed expectations in the world of Martha are, don't be vulnerable, bring your best. Bring your A-game, have everything planned, show yourself self-sufficient. If, and that's me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Michelle, I'm not type A, that's my wife. <laughs> okay, I'm a little type A. Okay, I'm a lot type A. Even though, cultural, even though these culturally endorsed expectations would say be type A or be self-sufficient, Jesus would say to you, Martha, Martha. He'd say your name. You're distracted and worried about many things. One thing's needed. If you're competent, you need Jesus. 
Mary comes across in this story is kind of needy. I mean, every time in the scripture that Mary's talked about, go look, she's at the feet of Jesus. Whether she's anointing his feet with, with her hair, or she's sitting in this story, or she's at the cross and at his feet, she's always at his feet. It sounds needy. Yeah. Yep, Jesus would say to the needy, come. In fact, he wouldn't even chastise them. He would just say, come. They've chosen what's better. So whether you're in the competent realm or in the needy realm, Jesus says, I'm here. Please choose to focus on me. He doesn't reject anyone that comes with that attitude. So where in the world and where in your life are you focused on Jesus? And I don't mean it from a duty standpoint, because duty can just, it can become religious duty, but sometimes when we do something enough, a duty becomes a discipline, but a discipline becomes a desire, and we actually miss it. Have you ever taken pop out of your world or soda for, you know, several months and then tried to drink it again? It's like drinking oil. Have you ever read your Bible for several, several days or weeks in a row and then stopped? You miss it. God gives us these desires, and and those desires are good. And actually, science confirms what what God already implies in Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, brothers, sisters, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about these things, and God's peace will be with you. We can actually train our brain to change. They've done scientific research on it. It's phenomenal. Um, But more than that, that's not life. Jesus is life. What do you need to start for Jesus to bring more life into you? And what do you need to stop for Jesus to bring that life into you? Let's pray. Father God, I, I know that you called Restoration Church into being. And you didn't call us to be a community of people that lives the and chases the American dream plus a little bit of you. You called us to be a kingdom people, restoring hope to broken lives. Some of us are so fragmented, God, and so distracted, God, and so unfocused that that it's hard for us to even think about what your hope means. But God, I believe that, that you can do anything. You could even do something if we just sat with you for five minutes a day. I believe you would change us. There are people over and over in the Bible that have had just mere encounters, one encounter with you, Jesus, and their whole life was changed. God, some of us today need our whole lives changed. We just need one encounter. We need to hear from you, God, and we need to know, I'm maybe not need to, God, but want to know if, if you would respond to us like Mary of approval and 
and acknowledging our neediness. Or if, if you'd respond to us like Martha, approval of the person, but maybe not what she's doing. Still calling her into relationships, still asking her to choose what's best. God, can you just speak to us now through your Holy Spirit about what's best for us? Wherever our situation is, whatever we're facing, maybe we have a big decision in our life that we are facing, that we are up against, and it's not between good and bad. It's between good and best. God, would you speak to us about that? God, let us hear the good news today, whether we're competent or needy, that the good news is that you covered all our efforts and all our sin and said, that's not going to get you to me. Only the sacrifice of my son, only this acknowledging this life in Jesus through his death, through his resurrection and his life is truly going to fill you Help us to focus on what we, what we need to live. God, give us that better rhythm. Show us where, what we need to start and what we need to stop. I just want to sit in this moment where the music plays and And you picture yourself across from Jesus. And I don't know if this is from God, but I got this picture of of each of us sitting across from Jesus, one-on-one. And I actually don't think he would say anything right away. He'd just enjoy being with you. Can you see the smile on his face? I imagine that he smiled at Martha even when he said, Martha, Martha. God wants a better rhythm for grace in your life, not because it will make you a better person, because it's the way that Jesus operated at every moment of every day. Sit across from him. what he has for you. May we be be a people that not only serve in the name of Jesus, that not only love in the name of Jesus, but may we be people who are so caught and aware of the presence of Jesus every moment of our lives that, that it's not some random ancient saying but it is our lives that we would sit in the presence of our master Jesus that we would be covered in the dust of his feet and that we would drink up his teachings and they would ooze out of us every moment of every day Amen Have a great week